Uh, greetings, Lucasarians. I'm back with uh, another podcast. Um, today, with all this going going on with Ukraine, um, tensions between Russia, America, Ukraine, and even now China in the mix, I would like to talk about um, some of the things that you're not going to see in news and some of the reasons why um, certain countries are stepping slow to try to help because um, like terrorism is a, you know, spread by fear. Democracy is spread by hope. And there are several countries to this day right now and in these moments fighting battles in in their country against their country at times and even against, uh, you know, rulers and stuff of their country against uh, like tyranny and they want the people are fighting these governments in a play for a democracy. The list of those countries can range from Algeria, Belarus, uh, Tigray, Mongolia, Eteria, Ethiopia, Nagra, Karabakh. I apologize if I um, mispronounced that last one, but um, these various countries are all caught in just the, the epic battle for democracy well, what is democracy today democracy today is you know just people wanting to step away from a communist or you know step away from you know a totalitarian rule where uh, the dictator uh, pretty much drives the country off of his ego and um, hubris um, like we have in Ukraine uh, we have a leader that is so into his appearance, he gets several, you know, surgeries or Botox is done. Uh, he's into so into his wealth that he tried to make himself the one of the richest men in his country. Yet he always appeals to his people that he's serving his country and has a great love for his country. But when you boil back this leader, it's clear that he only has love for himself. He could care less about Russia as long as now in his almost elderly age, he is uh, crying for a legacy. But I will say this when Vladimir Putin is dead and gone and two weeks in his country, he will be forgotten. There will only be mentioned when they talk about his brutality and his um, hubris towards himself his ego um he is not a man to be admired or enamored um in anything um the only thing that he'd probably be enamored for or like remembered for is his contributions to martial arts communities but in hindsight i think his infamous nature will erase him from that so he has a real chance there if he wants to try to um, change where people remember his legacy, he will stop this war. But uh, what he has now is he's created a leader in that country, in that region of Ukraine, um, Slipinski, which is going to in every measure that he does from henceforth. 
after his actions here, he will keep reaching higher and higher and he will um, be the leader that people look to and um, want to hear from in the West. It won't be uh, Chairman Ping in China. Um, if they do eventually get in NATO, like China and Russia can sit back and just know that they're going to have to eat crow you know, because uh, the West will have, they will have a leader over on that side like um, a voice in America we have uh, when people look to our leaders for a voice because um, that guy is pure leadership at its finest. Um, so what we're going to see is we're starting to see the wars for democracy fought all over. Um, and I'd like to talk about like why Ukraine is should be uh, like pushing for for people to see other out things that's going to uh, possibly come up on the radar. Uh, and we should still support these efforts. Like if something happens in Ethiopia, we should be able to support them just like Ukraine. We shouldn't balk in situations where the person's or group of people's skin is going to be darker than, um, you know, the people in Ukraine. Like uh, another reason why we're keeping an eye on China is China's trying to do this to trying to do the same thing to uh, Taiwan and Mongolia, you know. Uh, China and Russia are putting pressure on Mongolia just for the clear reasons they want to drive a pipeline through it. Putin would get more money if he's able to feed oil and stuff to uh, to China. Chairman Ping would benefit from the adding all that pipeline to China to benefit his his country. So that's why you see those two in such lock steps because eventually, if Putin like succeeds with Ukraine and doesn't have like any more hard pushback there. He's just going to like um, supplement his uh, sanctions and losses by saying, hey, China, you know, I I know I can get top coin for, from you from pushing this pipeline through Mongolia. But hey, we got to make Mongolia be cool with it and the pressure that they both provide will force compliance from Mongolia and then making the move on you. I mean, making the move on Ukraine um, won't seem to, to him as a folly, even if he does stumble and fail in it, but he's trying to get enough of it where he can control a, a mass pocket of um, resource. Uh, we're starting to see the world areas and nations bury, um, combat each other over resources uh um with what we're seeing with like like possible like soon with sea rises and stuff um people fleeing into other countries and stuff from like weather related incidents and warfare is gonna start to show when we start having food shortages you know clean water shortages water restrictions and stuff of that nature um, in the next 10, 10 years, we could be seeing areas um, have famine, areas have, uh, you know, 
just mass need for resources. And uh, it's going to be like resource wars like you wouldn't believe. Um, you can't really see it right now. But if you look at the whole spectrum of the thing, picture it like this. Picture um, like we're all like panicking over prices of oil because they're stopping, you know, like uh, funding of uh, and buying of certain like groups oil. But think about it. If the wells and stuff just stop, um, you know, providing and yielding the amount of oil that it has. Think about how much the prices will shoot up then when the supply is low. And then what's going to happen is people are going to race in their countries to see where can we find oil? Where can we find oil? And that's going to cause conflicts, especially if it's somewhere where it's like uh, between two borders and stuff like that. Or, or there's a country that has oil rich land and uh, it's in between a country, two countries that need those resources. You're going to start to see that. If there's a country where a country can benefit off of imports, if they had that country or forced its people in that country to work for them, that's what you see in Taiwan. That's what China wants to get that. You know, it's not just for the element of just having that like portion of land to be in the name of China. No, they want to work the people of that land to provide for China. Um, so you're going to have people there ready to fight back because they, they know that China's not going to come in there and be like, okay, you're just a, you know, a portion of us. Now you're equal to us and we, we, we respect you. No, it's going to be like you you work for us now, you know, your quality of life will be dictated by how much you give to us. Same way reason why Ukraine is fighting so hard. Um, because uh, they don't consider them as equal and they only consider them as a tool to make uh, their country uh, better and provide for their people. They're not considering them their people or you wouldn't bomb them. You wouldn't strike them if you consider them your people. You consider them a threat to be conquered. Um, don't you don't believe this is so? But it, if you boil back in warfare and look at the earlier days of America, um, it's the same way they did the Indians. And um, the reason why Ukraine is fighting so hard is they don't want to be like the Native Americans. They don't want to be pushed back to almost extinction. Where it's just like okay, Ukraine has been taken over. And now there's just little pockets of them trying to establish themselves as sovereign nations within that country to uphold their own heritage and brand of culture. But, um, you know, there was no uh, outcry when the Indians were going through that. Um, there was no outcry in Jamaica when the natives of Jamaica went through that. There was no outcry in South America when the South Americans went through that. So that's like as much as we look at Ukraine, you got to remember that a lot of countries went through what Ukraine did. Um, Italy. Italy was um like people don't really talk about it. They are like from Italy or from this area. Sicily was invaded by the Moors and the Moors hold it, held it for almost four decades. Um, 
over that time, they would even like if you read the the historical narratives of things written of the area, they talked about how the the people's skin tone changed. And um, you can read into that what you want, but uh, you know, it's something that uh legitly happened, and it's something that um happens quite around the world when like countries are under occupation. Um. Uh, they try to uh, blend out what they don't want there or even kill what they don't want there as Hitler did um, in Germany. So we are looking at old school efforts and old school actions play out in this modern world. And now that we have more um, visibility via media and uh, communications, the whole world can know about this isolated incident or it's not just like, Oh, the Duke of Austria just got killed. And you know, something's going on over there. You're hearing about it in the news, but by the time you're hearing about it, the elements of what's happening to the people and the takeover, you'll never see because it's not as visible as it is today. So we are seeing elements that could play out to a world war happen right before our eyes. But, now it's more visible because it's not like it was back in the earlier days of World War One and stuff like that, where the only reason that we really heard about it and started like really getting, you know, pulled into it was uh, it came to our door. Um, it's been, it was going on well before that until it came to our door. Um, and I think because of old age and a gaffe made by Biden that, um, we're probably going to see some combat because he just in a gaffe said um, Putin needs to be removed from power. Now you could go online and look it up. You have to find some of the outlets where they have translated it. Russia actually has like a detailed thing that tells the steps and the things that would have to occur for them to consider nuclear war as a possibility. Two things like, Two things on that list are slightly in the process of occurring. Um, so, you know, we're back in the early days of the Cold War where it's like you're going to, uh, if things ramp up, we're going to start having kids doing um, get under your desk, duck your head drills for uh, nuclear bombs when we all know that uh, uh, that's not going to do anything. It was just something, you know to uh calm the peace or so stuff like that because um you know the strike if the, the attack didn't kill him the fallout then would you know but it's a scary world um and that's why so many people are clamoring for democracy there's countries that's watching this ukraine thing pl- pl- um, play out wondering um what would happen if they're leader that's sort of Putin-like would, you know, um, strike them. Like, imagine a war in Venezuela. Um, You know, Venezuela is very closely tied with Russia. So if we went to war with Russia, uh, yeah, you could see us going into beyond the border, you know, making deals like, hey, you know, we'll give certain members of these your, your people citizenship, uh, but we need y'all to be ready to help us fight um, Venezuela. 
And that could totally happen, you know, because Venezuela is the closest tied threat uh, to to us from um, with that has ties to Russia. Uh, you don't believe this if you uh, you even they even spent this before kind of in a movie the connection um in the remake of uh, Red Dawn you saw like a uh, Venezuelan and Russian forces so um it's a possibility uh geopolitically uh Venezuela has always been a hotbed for terrorism that's why we have routinely stopped and took out any leader that posed a threat uh it happened in the 80s happened in the 70s and we haven't had any leader like stand or make a effort towards the u.s and aggression or like rhetoric since then because they they're smart enough to know the moment they make it their days are numbered um you know um and also being quiet is like cuba we haven't we have had peace be built with Cuba to kind of not have that little effect of having two possible allies to Russia or communism in our backyard. So we diminished that through the Obama or um, administration. We diminished that. And Venezuela has still been the red herring. Venezuela has been the red herring for a very long time. Um, And now Venezuelans um has been even connected to like um sympathizing with terrorist groups that are that um we actively have um war with and we're actively against and it's starting to even drift from Venezuela to uh Caribbean countries like Trinidad. Trinidad is pretty close, uh two to three hour boat ride if I can remember, um uh, from coast to coast. Um, but they are starting to have pockets of terrorist groups being found there pockets of, um, pro like huge pockets of Venezuelan people live there and come, um, have left Venezuela in there. But just imagine, you know, if we go to war with Russia, then, you know, there's pockets of Trinidad that house people that, you know, could be sympathizers with like us going to war with Venezuela that want to act out only against American citizens, bombing a popular hotel or stuff like that. You have all the like little areas in um, Mexico and areas like that or, you know, South America where, you know, tourists are at embassies and stuff that would become targets and that could be attacked by a proxy of a pro-Russia proxy that's in Venezuela, you know, so we didn't have an enemy at our back door. Um, while people always said like, oh, World War Three, they're talking about like thinking nuclear. Uh, it can it can happen in skirmishes too, as uh, countries align and the the chessboard gets divided. It could it could happen quite easily, or you have uh, countries that have been benefiting from Russian oil or doing business with Russia. Venezuela and other countries saying, okay, man, um, America's just being a bully. You know, let's just take down the bully once and for all. It could happen. You know, so like you got to factor in. It's not like, not just the Russian Navy that we're going to be looking for subs in our backyard from. It's going to be other countries that like are with them too. We're going to be, 
at fear with China being close enough to them too. We're going to be at fear with, you know, in the South China Sea, all the way from the, you know, the South China Triangle to, you know, the coast of Guam and Hawaii even being infected. Then you're going to have Russia with the, you know, everything from the outer banks of Alaska and Oregon, Seattle, all that possibly being. It gets pretty easily when you divide the map in warfare that you can see like how quickly little areas can become hotbeds for um, warfare. Uh, I'm like we we've been racing. And people haven't known this, but we've been racing to build a base in Nome, Alaska for the last, what, eight to ten years because we knew that at some point we're going to have issues with Russia. And the reason why we wanted to have that base up there is because that's the closest point to us, to them, you know, so we could like have like a closer strike capability to strike inland, like further inland in their area. Um, other than having like, you know, areas where we're having to strike from like Hawaii or stuff like that. And we possibly could strike from off the coast of Bangor, Washington <coughs> and, um, even have strike capabilities from off the coast of, uh, Southern Georgia, because we have uh trident nuclear subs in both those areas. And, but the Russia already knows this. They knows where our sub pins are at. And, you know, there've been Russian subs as close to the United States on the East coast as Jacksonville, Florida and Miami. But, uh, most American people will never know this. So if we went to war with Russia, it would, it would be crazy because in in days you would find out like how the world is going to divide itself and pit itself on the chessboard um but i hope that doesn't occur i hope uh biden is able to walk back his comments and able to help ukraine more and somebody steps in and tries to get them to come to the table um to like just end this because the longer this stays up the more restless Putin will get and then he might just say like you know let's use chemical weapons let's use biological weapons other than using nukes and then you know if he does something like that and NATO and the US step in and we're at war folks no no less way to say it and you also got to look at something else that's going on in America Look at your average American teenager kid that's of service age. Uh, they're not interested in the service. Uh, if you look at recruiting numbers, recruiting numbers in all military services are dropping. So that will mean that we, if we went to war, like a big massive scale war, the draft will be implemented. And that weed smoking 23 year old or 20 year old kid is going to have to get forced to clean up and be in combat. And some of these kids, let's just say, um, been coddled by their parents most of their lives and, you know, not probably ready for that strict, you know, regimen and coldness that warfare could bring. Um, just picture that time with the 
love happy, peace happy time of the 60s. And what happened there? We had massive amounts of death from Vietnam and warfare. So that's another looming possibility. And we will have to implement a draft to secure enough forces now because um, it's dwindling. Our numbers and services recruitment are dwindling because people are happy thinking we're at peace when we really haven't been at total peace for a while. We've been in some active war front for probably the last 20 years. So that, that kid that is of service age has been growing in a time where we've been fighting all over the place, but he's been thinking it's peace. And like they say, freedom isn't free. Uh, democracy is the most intoxicating thing to an oppressed country. And now that more countries are wanting democracy and looking at the U.S. as the leader and beacon of securing democracy, America will be pulled into a war. Uh, the fact that you have a, a president of a country calling President Biden almost the leader of the world in democracy and peace just told every country that's like fighting for democracy to make that same ploy. You know, try to pull in you know, the U.S. to your um, thing and, um, you know, and hope that they might answer. And the worse it gets in Ukraine, if we answer there, we're going to have to answer everywhere. But, you know, we kind of stuck our chest out and said we are the beacon of hope for democracy. So, like, you know, we can't just hold back all the light. We're going to have to give some out and find ways to help. And NATO is effective in helping, but NATO is smart enough to be like, just sit back and let's see what the U S do. They're, they're not always like, let's, let's just take lead on this. That sometimes they will sit back and stuff. So we shall see, we shall see what happens in the next few months, because if this continues on into April and possibly June, the U S is going to be, pit with a quandary when it comes to help because we're sending money to these efforts and stuff like that and we're finna ungo uh hurricane season where we could need money and you know national security efforts uh into um mainland america and coastal america because of threats of hurricane and weather that spawns um from you know thunderstorms tornadoes and stuff like that so we'll see um, in the next few months, you know, how we play it out and how the world plays it out when stepping up to um, America's kind of been sitting back wait, waiting for either China or somebody else. That's a big player to kind of step in and help, too. So they could kind of, you know, pull back a little bit. But um, they're also fearful that China could step in and be like, yeah, we're stepping in for Russia. So we shall see. But um Hopefully it's not all dark and dismal. Hopefully there is some gleaming thing that the world can take from this. And that's why I said um, the president of Ukraine right now is growing to be a voice because he has a way of being able to connect 
you to his blight in his country and you're not even in his country. Um, so if you could do that in a way and get peace from it, then that will be something that we can mark in the history books where, you know, our country stood and fought, but then use peace to uh, try to, you know, build and grow more because like, uh, even if they did a treaty, it's going to take years and years of work between those two people to, uh, make sure that this warfare type thing doesn't happen again. So it doesn't end up being like, uh, you know, Israel versus Palestine where it's like endless, endless warfare with little gaps of peace. And then it's right back to war and stuff like that. So the world is watching and the world has a lot more, you know, mainstream in your face, frontline news to see this in this, in this time and technology. So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, try not to really get political, like, uh, into the news of current events type things, but this is so precedent that like, you know, I, I wanted to speak on it. So, no, let me know what you think. As always, Legion Lucas at gmail.com and uh, hit me up on Twitter as well, Uncle Lucas at Twitter. And uh, if you need any information about um, how to get in contact with me, just, you know, check out the information in my bio. As always, love, peace, and, you know, have a blessed day. Peace.